Coming up on Tech Thing, all the Amazon tablets. Shannon's been hands-on for days. Is that $50 tablet worth buying? Microsoft gets serious with the new Surface tablets. Blu-ray playback, weird things to do with cheap tablets, Windows treats, and hey, can you really trust your VPN? It's all coming up on Tech Thing. If you get something useful out of this episode of Tech Thing, please consider contributing to the show at patreon.com slash techthing. We're brought to you by viewers just like you. Thank you so much. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is Tech Thing, where we make technology behave. At least on the good days. It has been an insane week for me, but we'll get into that later. <laughs> it's been an insane week for everything. Uh, yeah, okay, so Microsoft Windows 10 devices event took place this week. Woo! Woo! Surface Pro 4 looks amazing, and, and I actually I kind of almost feel bad for everybody that makes money for Microsoft by selling operating systems on hardware Aww. they build, because this Yeah, tell looks, me about this thing. Okay, so this is the ultimate laptop, hmm. right? And I gotta say, there was a lot of MacBook bashing however subtle or unsubtle it might have been, Microsoft Aww. layoff. <laughs> Produce the hardware, let the world decide for itself. $899 to uh, like $1,599 uh, in base configs. They say $1,499 okay. here. You can get this thing way over a couple grand if you work at it. Wow. Eight gigabytes of RAM, 256 gigabyte drives uh, in, in, in the base configurations. Um, so the, the Surface Pro, let me start with the Surface Pro 4. Okay. So many things that sucked about the Surface Pro 3 have been fixed. There's a 12.3 inch screen. That's 0.3 inches bigger. That's not the exciting part. 2736 by 1824 uh, resolution. Ooh. More importantly, user upgradable RAM to 16 gigabytes, one terabyte SSDs. You can max it out with Skylake Core M3 i5 and i7 CPUs. They're claiming Ooh. nine hours of battery life, 2.33 pounds with keyboard. What? That's pretty badass. Wow. I know some friends that have been living La Vida Surface for a while. They're really excited. And then out of nowhere, the Surface Book. Okay. So that's $1,499 to $2,699. Oh my gosh. This is the one that's the ultimate laptop, not the Pro. That's your work laptop. 3,000 by 2,000 pixel screen, 13.5 uh, inch screen, 0.27 pixels, no, point, no, 267 pixels per inch, just like the Pro 4. Um, 12 hours of battery life they're claiming, optional Ooh. NVIDIA GeForce graphics, 3.48 pounds with keyboard. It's a little what? heavier. It's three and a half pounds. And these are running Windows 10? These are running Windows 10 Pro. Um, like hmm. I mentioned, Microsoft was kind of generous with the MacBook Air, MacBook Pro, you know, we're gonna beat them talk. Uh, <laughs> I think it was mostly about performance, but I gotta say having two USB 3.0 ports and an SD card slot is awesome because I'm, I'm into the Type-C connector. I'm not into the Type-C connector being the only connection to the universe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I just, put a couple slots in it. Come on. Yeah, just change Mr. it Cook? up. Give me choice. Johnny, please. I like choice. Consumer choice. Or just, uh, just more ports. Yeah, lots of ports. That's um, what I like. Lots and lots of ports. All the ports. All the time. Before I forget, two new Microsoft Lumia 950 phones, the huh. Lumia 950 and the XL. Um, I know one person that I'm a friend with who's super excited about these. They look to be nice. One. Um, Just one. Well, it's kind of funny. When you go to the Windows Phone page, there's like 12 Windows phones yeah. for the entire universe. It's kind of a bummer. Um, <laughs> more exciting, you can apply for a HoloLens Developers Kit now, which means HoloLens Whoa. Awesome Demos at CES 2016. Yes. <gasps> CES Did they 2016? say anything about how much that costs? No. I saw no price mentions. There's kind of okay. a, you know, I got to the I page where you can apply is. for it and 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 just didn't finish applying because okay. I knew there was no way I was going to I get saw one. somebody tweet out like three grand, but 
that might just be a rumor, so. Well, given the price of the Microsoft Band 2. How much is that? $249. Okay. <laughs> it's a heart monitor. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's another thing to wrap on your wrist that has a screen. Jeez. Yeah. A band. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> Surprise. Hey, I'm excited about the Roku 4, which As is well supposed to be, be supporting 4K video which is super exciting. So it's going to have Netflix, Amazon Instant Video, MGo, and YouTube, and then apparently Vudu when this box launches as well. All supporting 4K video. All supporting 4K. We haven't yeah. seen 4K video on Vudu before. This should be interesting. Pretty cool. Mm. 802.11ac. It has lost a uh, lost remote finder, which is really cute. So you hit the button on the top of the Roku, and then the remote like freaks out for help. Beep, 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 beep. <laughs> I'm here under the cushions where the children Just like me. that. Just like that. That would be so awesome. <laughs> and, and my disturbing. feeds will now send you notifications about TV shows yeah. and movies, not just the ones in theater, along with actors or directors as well, so not just the movie titles. Which means you never need to miss a new Vin Diesel He's excited. again <laughs> on any platform. <laughs> October 21st. It's 130 bucks. Yeah. Pre-orders are available now. I did pre-order one, so I can hopefully upgrade from my Roku 3, which has been giving me a few errors. So I'm really excited to check it out, and I believe you got one yes. coming out for review too. We hope so. So as soon as we Sweet. get one in, we'll review it. I was also kind of amused, when you look at the remote in the background of the picture of the Roku 4, yeah. there's not just a Netflix button, there's an Amazon button, Ooh. and a Sling button, and an RDO button. That's cool. Where's the Spotify button? That's really cool. Oh my goodness. We are going to talk about Patreon uh, being hacked a little later in the show. Yes. Uh, but we want to know that we are aware of that. We want to thank you all for not panicking if you got the email and, and running away from Patreon because it feeds us. Yeah. And we like eating. And um, if you missed it, um, we we did mention that on our Facebook yeah. as well. So we were like, hey, this is the day of. We don't record yeah. until next week, but we know about yeah. what happened. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But first. You have gone mad. <laughs> Shannon <What>? Morris <laughs> has decided to test all the things, at least all as far them. as Amazon's new collection of Kindle Fire tablets, which begs a question. Can a $50 tablet own? TLDR, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Now people are just going to turn off the podcast. No, they're not. So, well, it's, it's kind of funny because Amazon's like, powerful tablet at an affordable price. Yay. So my immediate reaction was cheap tablets usually mean ugly screens. Yes. Tell me about it. Okay. Let us begin this review with the Kindle Fire 7. Yes, this is at full brightness. This thing costs 50 bucks or $64.99 if you don't want the special offers. For example, if I turn it off, turn it back on, you get an ad on the screen and then you just unlock it and there goes the ad. No more ad, yay. So it's a 1024 by 600, 171 pixel per inch screen. It's seven inches, definitely Definitely lower end. It's dim at the brightest potential, as you can see. Yes, it's on full brightness. Kind of scary how dim it is. Uh, it looks good enough for most kids, but I can't recommend it for reading. I did try to read a lot of my Kindle books on here, but it hurt my eyes just because I could see the pixels whenever I was reading and all the different little characters right. and letters and everything. So that kind of gave me a headache. Sort of the opposite of e-paper on a Kindle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Touch screen performance, slightly sluggish. Ooh. I didn't have any major issues with the $50 tablet, but it did take a little bit of time to register if I didn't press 
down hard enough or if I press down too quickly for it. Uh, reason being is the performance with this thing, mm -hmm. the insides. So it's got a quad-core ARM Cortex E7 1.3 gigahertz MediaTek processor, eight gigs of storage, which is not a lot, but it does come with 128 gig uh, micro SD additional if you want to buy that additionally. So That's you good. can add additional storage. But if you just go with the eight gigs, all you have left after the operating system is about five gigs. Not a lot at all. Which is like four, two, four episodes of television, two yeah. movies, or a ton of books. That exactly. Are so you, you yeah. pretty much have to buy the micro SD card if you want to store anything additional on there. Wow. 1024 megs of RAM, so that's one gig. Uh, single band Wi-Fi B, G, and N, which means no AC, no 5G, does come with Bluetooth 4.0, no issues with getting it set up or getting it connected. Good. I did read a lot of other reviewers did say they had problems with that, so maybe I just got lucky. Uh, performance with just single tasks, I did notice a little bit of lag when I was going through one app's menus mm -hmm. without other apps open. Um, but no problems once I was actually inside the app, and that goes for movies as well. So I noticed you broke out single app performance. Single app. Which I, I feel, <laughs> a, I feel a, 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 a something coming here. Yes, but <laughs> <laughs> when I was using it for more than one app, mm -hmm. I had long wait times whenever I wanted to load games, long wait times when I wanted to load a movie, so you would just see it sitting there buffering at the beginning of it, but once it got in there, it was fine. Now, I was playing Sonic the Hedgehog on here because who doesn't love Sonic? the Hedgehog and it's a free app. So I was playing that, it lagged in the game, which is not very good when you're trying not to get killed by mm -hmm. monsters on the race course. Not a good thing. It can be fairly irritating. Very, very much a sad face for me. So the modest performance in the dim screen must mean fabulous battery life, right? Fabulous, yeah. So I was playing movies all day yesterday. I was, I had Bluetooth turned on, so with heavy usage, five hours. Okay, but that's five heavy hours until usage. It yeah, until it died. They tout about eight hours, okay. so that's probably for normal usage, but I, I watched two movies and I also played video games on it, so I got five hours total. So if you, if you preload it with a bunch of stuff on the micro SD card and turn off Wi-Fi because yeah. you're on the plane, your turn off Bluetooth. Turn off Bluetooth. So you can probably get eight hours out of it. Okay. Uh, for build quality, as far as the actual outsides of it, it weighs 11 ounces, so not bad at all. Very easy to travel with. It's noticeably thicker than the other two, which I'll get to. It uh, has a two megapixel rear cam, which is very grainy. It's pretty much terrible in low light. And it also can record 720p HD video, which looks a lot better than the pictures by far. It's so odd. The front camera on this thing is a VGA camera, so not even. 640? by 480. <laughs> it's so mm. bad. Old so it, it, when I was <laughs> recording myself, I was like, huh, this reminds me of when I was Skyping with my gamer friends and I was 22 years old, AKA eight years ago. So it's pretty bad. <laughs> There's a mono speaker on the back right here. Very, very quiet, even at full volume. And there is a mic built in if you do want to make calls with other people or you want to talk to the, you know, other, I don't know, record yourself gaming or whatever. <laughs> so would I buy this? Only and only if it was for like really young kids. And even then the in-game lag issues may make them cry and throw the thing across the room. So if you're using it just to entertain kids with movies or TV shows and you like put it into the movie and then give it to them, then it should work fine. But if you give it to them to play games with, they'll probably throw it across the room. <laughs> um, also, I should mention, should you buy this if you're not a Prime member? 
That's a big question, right. and I would say no. Same with all Fire tablets, because you really have to be a dedicated Prime user or to actually make this worth it, or you're going to have to be willing to pay for things that aren't available for non-Prime users. That goes for movies, music, TV, video games, pretty much anything. So you don't have access to the Google Play apps as well, which means things like I, I have a security camera that mm -hmm. has a Google Play app, not available on these Fire tablets, which kind of sucks. I so mean, technically, you can hack your way you can. to the yeah. Google Play XDA Store. Developers found a way that you can get the Google Play Store on your tablets, but of course that means you have to get kind of hacky with it. So you're basically stuck with the Amazon black hole of apps, which is n not as many as I would hope would be available. So Amazon consumption, uh -huh. low performance, yep. not all day performance unless you're particularly frugal with your use. Exactly. Um, it's a $50 tablet. Yeah, it's it's kind of like you get what you pay for. That's that's bucks. last year's one hundred and twenty five dollar tablet. It is, yeah. So <laughs> you know, if you only have fifty bucks to spend and you love Amazon Prime, then you're probably good to go. Yeah. But if you have a little bit more to spend, they also have the Fire HD eight and the Fire HD ten. Screens look so much nicer on these. Let me lower it a little bit. There you go. <laughs> so this first one is the Kindle Fire HD 8, and this one's $149.99 with special offers, or $15 extra without, so $150 bucks pretty much. It's 8-inch screen with 1280 by 800 uh, resolution, 189 pixels per inch, so definitely up from the 7. It's very easy to see in the sun, so I didn't have any problems mm -hmm. with that. Several, several different color options if you don't like black, which, by the way, it does pick up a lot of prints. If you don't like black, you can pick up, uh, there's pink, blue, and orange as well. Uh, RAM on the inside of this thing is 1024 megs, so just mm. like the 7. It does have a quad-core CPU in it. It's dual-core ARM Co Cortex A15 1.5 gigahertz and a dual-core ARM Cortex A7 1.2 gigahertz MediaTek CPU. So you got those two mixed in together. So these two feel a lot faster, this one and the 10, whenever I was switching between applications and starting new processes. So that was really good. This one comes in 18 or 16 gigs, which if you want to get 16 gigs, that's an additional $20 on top of the original price. It's 128 gigs uh, with micro SD if you want to add an additional micro SD in the side. So you do have that option as well. And it's double band Wi-Fi instead of just single. So you do get AC and I can also connect to our local 5G connection here. And you do have Bluetooth. Uh, this one's surprisingly also 11 ounces. Even <laughs> though it's bigger, it's not as thick. So you can definitely see a difference in how big it is. Yeah, it's not as fat. So that's great. I also got five hours with heavy usage on this one. They tout eight hours with normal right. usage on their website. So again, something to consider. Uh, the camera on this is a five megapixel rear 1080 HD cam. It's 1080p. Mm -hmm. So pretty good video and photo quality. Not a lot of issues with it. And the front camera is a 720p. That one is grainy still. And I did have trouble with changing lighting whenever I was moving around and recording myself. Mm -hmm. It had a lot of problems with changing lighting. So that was a little bit of an right. issue. Um, on this one, let me find them. Two speakers, so you have two Dolby Atmos speakers, and they get really loud. I was impressed. I well, was impressed too. I a was fair very amount impressed. Of low end, you know, pretty good overall, really good sound yeah. quality. Like listening to movies or television on this is a pleasure. Yeah, very clear. It got very loud. Generally, very very good speakers. So that was a, t a quality thing about this tablet that I very much liked, and it also has the built-in microphone too, if you feel like talking to people or recording yourself. So that one was the. 
eight, and then lastly we, ha we have the 10, which is a little bit too big for me to hold <laughs> in one hand. And we should point out, <laughs> all of these are Amazon Prime centric. Yes. None of them have the Google Play Store. Yes. You work with the Amazon Prime Store. That's right. And, uh, hooray! Hooray! Yep. So the last one is the HD 10, and this one is a 10.1 inch HD display. So this is 229.99 with special offers, $15 extra without. It's 1280 by 800, 149 pixels per inch. You can get it with 16 or 32 gigs of storage. So they pretty much did without the right. eight gigs on this larger tablet. That's nice. Yeah, it is <laughs> nice. It's 15.2 ounces, so almost exactly one pound if you add in like what is that an extra. 14 ounces. Uh, the battery lasted a few minutes longer than the HD8 at 5 hours and 19 minutes on very, very heavy usage. So a little bit longer even though it's bigger and has a larger screen uh, and the, the Dolby Atmos speakers. So an additional 19 minutes. Yay! <laughs> Otherwise, it's pretty much a twin of the 8 with all the other specs. Same processor, same RAM, all the goods. So it's interesting. They interesting. Get the, must have put a bigger battery in it maybe? I, uh, maybe they did, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it was kind of weird that I got different, or this almost the exact same battery life, hmm. but this one was 19 minutes extra. So this one, I do want to mention, it totally, totally crapped out on me while I was testing the cameras. It refused to register any of my touchscreen touches, so I had to restart it for it to actually let me regain full touchscreen use. <laughs> so also when I was watching movies, it would randomly show me the x-ray, which is basically Amazon's way of pulling up IMDB and showing you different information about actors and directors and other movies they might have been in. Kept on pulling up and it kept on dropping down my settings for you know brightness and Bluetooth and Wi-Fi and all those things, even though I wasn't touching the screen at all. So it felt very, very buggy to me and I kept on having to you know pause the movie, turn it off, turn off the screen, and then turn it back on. So if I had to choose just one of these tablets, I would say get the HD8. It's 150 bucks, has the best screen, though it is smaller than the 10, it has more pixels per inch, and it was the only one that I didn't struggle to use the entire time that I was testing it. It'll be interesting to see whether or not these kind of pick up their performance. Because, you know, it's, I was thinking about this a lot with, with you know, because I built the, our, 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 our last patron build was that Skylake machine. Yes. And it wouldn't recognize the processor. I had to update the BIOS to get the processor to be properly recognized. I'm hoping they can fix some of these buggy issues with an update. That would be nice. Yeah, because currently it feels slightly half-baked with the two that gave mm -hmm. me a lot of errors. The other one decently worked decently fine, but it still had some lag when I was you know, playing games and stuff like that. So something to keep in mind for those three tablets. Were you excited with the Amazon Fire TV? I wasn't. Version. I was not excited about the Amazon <laughs> Fire TV, even though I have Prime. I was not excited, but I still wanted to give it the best review possible. Did you talk <laughs> to your television? I did talk to my television. Did it that answer was fun. back? Okay. That was fun. So it works just as well as Alexa does on the Amazon cool. Echo. That's cool. So it was really easy. It was very. It was very good at registering everything that I said, even though I was kind of lazy and I kind of slurred my words. I was like, um, "Find me Sailor Moon," and it'd be like. Well, in that case, it didn't find Sailor Moon, <laughs> even though it should have. Okay, so this thing is the Amazon Fire TV, this little thing that I could probably throw across the room. Don't. It comes with a MediaTek quad-core 2 gigahertz processor, a PowerVR GX 6250 GPU, and 8 gigs of storage, so 8 gigs again. But you do have an additional USB on the back and micro SD card slot. Oh, cool. And it does have 2 gigs of RAM as opposed to the tablets, which just came with one. Uh, you have dual-band Wi-Fi up to AC, 
Bluetooth, there's also Ethernet on the back, and there's an HDMI out on the back as well. Uh, so you get Dolby 5.1 surround sound, HDMI pass-through up to 7.1. The output resolution is the thing, big thing that they're touting about this new Amazon Fire TV. It's 4K, right? It's 4K, 2160p, 30 frames per second. Okay, so that's fine for watching videos. Yeah. Not so awesome if you want to game on a I 4K I believe it's, it's better for movies because they're at 24 yeah. FPS. I mean, 30, 30 frames per second. Different. It's fine for watching video. It just yeah. gets weird when you're doing computing. And the games yeah. you're going to be playing on that, you know, sticky golf is not going to yeah. be impacted at 30 <laughs> frames per not, second. Not a big deal. Uh, 720p yeah. and 1080p are also available at 60 FPS. Uh, a couple of things that I noticed with this, though. Uh, first off, no 5.1 Dolby from Netflix. Ooh. They're supposed to be updating that on October 22nd based on all the comments and information that Amazon has been spreading over their website. Mm -hmm. And it also uses HDMI 1.4 output as opposed to 2.0. Now, you might wonder why that's a big deal. <laughs> that would explain the 30 frames per second. Yeah, <laughs> yep. So this means that there's no 4K HDR content, just 4K. So HDR, that would be for their Mozart in the Jungle, I believe it's called, and um, Transparent, I think the other show is called. They have a couple shows on Amazon right now that oh, use funny. HDR with 4K resolution. It's so, so bleeding edge. Yeah, it's very, very bleeding edge. And it was kind of surprising that they don't have the HDMI capability to play their own content in 4K HDR. <laughs> and I was like, but guys, you just came out with this, and those shows have been available for months. How about the voice I know search? manufacturing takes a long time. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> voice re recognition was really great. So luckily the remote hat right here has a little voice button at the top. Mm -hmm. You click on that, you hold it down, and then you say, Alexa, find House of Cards, or Alexa, find something something on Amazon Prime, or whatever you're looking for, for TV, music, anything. So doesn't work very well for searching across platforms. For example, it never received any Netflix choices that I looked for. Like when I searched for House of Cards, I know House of Cards is on Netflix. I've, it's there, it's on my phone when I <laughs> open the Netflix app, but it did not show me that as an option to play it. It just showed me Amazon Prime. Uh, with Game of Thrones, that's on the HBO app. I know it's there, and it's on Amazon. It did find both of those, but you have to go into the settings that says, like, uh, show me other watch options. And then you have to scroll down to find HBO apps. So they definitely tout Amazon Prime over any of the other applications. That makes sense. So, yeah. Given that they just kicked Apple TV and, 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 and the Chrome cast off of the Amazon store. <laughs> so <laughs> I would say uh, don't buy this unless you're a diehard Amazon Prime user. Otherwise, we do have that Roku 4 coming mm. in at the end of October, hopefully sooner, yeah. which we're also going to check out on the show, and I'm super excited about that one. And that one also has the voice search on it, too. And I think that it'll be a little bit more friendly to all the different <laughs> applications. A little more agnostic. <laughs> a little more agnostic. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Amazon didn't kick Roku out of the store. <laughs> oh my goodness. True. Speaking of being kicked out of polite society in the Amazon Prime store, worst segue ever. Darren, help me. Patrick, we have an awesome show on Hack 5 this week. We are all about the Yardstick 1. It's a, yet another radio dongle. It's a software-defined radio. We're getting into the basics of hacking all sorts of fun things under one gigahertz. That means car remote controls and automated keyless entry systems, even some of the stuff here in the studio. Check it out. All sorts of fun Wi-Fi and radio hacking over at hak5.org.
This week's rapid fire roundup is three awesome Windows utilities from Patrick. Are you ready? I am ready. Go. I have been up to my eyeballs in Windows mayhem this week. Number one, God mode is free. It's already on your Windows 8 or Windows 10 system. You need this ridiculous strand of characters. Uh, you create a new folder, you name it this, God mode dot gibberish, 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 and then it turns into a little icon that looks like this, right? That's not a big deal, but okay. when you click on it, you get this. Nice. Check. They had this in Windows 8 too? Yeah, it, huh. I totally forgot, or maybe they killed it in Windows 8. Try it in your Windows 8 machine. The worst thing that can happen is it doesn't happen, but your administrative tools, you can change autoplay, backup and store Windows settings, devices and printers, no more digging through the control panel. That is cool. Uh, I it, And as Darren pointed out, you can search the control panel, which is great, but this is freaking awesome. Look at mouse settings, network settings, power options, all the things <laughs> are there. And I will hack them as if I was a super cool Hack5 team member. Uh, props to PC World uh, for pointing out that this works in Windows 10 again. We got a link to this in the show notes so you can cut and paste that crazy string of characters which is right there on the page. Thanks, PC World. Um, Number two. CPU IDs, hardware monitor, and CPU-Z. Been playing with overclocking on the uh, Skylake system, and most of the old school, um, you know, like motherboard monitor, motherboard monitor and stuff, they yeah. all just, they don't seem to be maintained anymore. So CPU ID seems to be the last one standing, but look, this is running on my laptop. I've got the temperatures, I've got the information on the cores, the graphics clock, nice. CPU-Zs, you know, it positively identifies the CPU inside of your system. Great if you're wondering if that machine you just bought actually contains the part you paid for. These are free and these are available at CPUID.com. That's CPU-Z and HW Monitor Pro. Um, it's great. It's like now I can, I can basically look at core temperatures off the processor to see how well a liquid cooler is doing versus an air cooler. That's cool. Some motherboard manufacturers still do tools like that, uh, but they're getting, you know, you may or may not have one. Mm -hmm. That one pretty much works on everything. Cool. Uh, MagicalJellyBean.com slash KeyFinder. We've talked yes. about this. I'm a little irritated that they make it, they, they, they go through efforts to install a, like a Yahoo style oh, yeah. toolbar. Um, so I'm going to give a shout out to Enchanted Keyfinder, which technically has been abandoned, but it's pretty much the same exact thing as Magical Jelly Beans. Keyfinder, you know, minus the attempt to load a toolbar on your machine. Remember, people, always go with the custom install when installing free software and pay attention to every step so you yes. don't load adware on your machine. Um, part of the reason I want to bring this up is I used it to find the Windows 7 key off of my old hard drive. Oh. Uh, Smart. Well, because I couldn't get logged into that machine because the password had been changed. Mm -hmm. Just like take the old hard drive, put it in the new machine or somebody else's hard drive and put it in your machine, like if their machine died but they need information off the hard drive. Just go to Tools, Load Hive and point it at the Windows folder of the drive you want to peek inside of. And now I have my Windows 7 password so I can reinstall Windows 7 on another machine and don't lose that operating system. Yes! This makes me very, very happy. That's cool. And since some of you might not think of that as being something new, because we mentioned it recently, oh my goodness, I love Nine-Night, which I always remember after I've configured a new machine, um, but it allows you to basically click all of the things and then install them all in one giant bolus of easy installation joy. It's really cool. And be like, oh yeah, you know what? I want malware bytes and, and I want open office and I want, you basically click the things, hit the get installer button and voom. They all go in there. Yeah. I love it so much, I'm actually paying 10 bucks for the Nine-Night updater, 
which will monitor all of your software and will not only tell you there's an update, but will actually grab the update for you so you can drop it on your machine. That's cool. That is so much better than, say, leaving the irritating <laughs> Apple software stuff running yeah. in the background, irritating me with its attempts to like, this obscure Apple program you don't use? Well, there's an update for it. Do you mm -hmm. want to install it now? Do you want to install it now? I love the idea of having a company monitor my software updates. Well, that could be kind of creepy, too. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys have some awesome Mac or Windows utilities that you want to share, you can email us ask at techthing.com. At Laurel Cal tweeted at techthing, how do I know if I can trust a VPN provider? Thanks, all. And thank you for that question. If you want a VPN that you can trust, because say you're nervous about the nefarious evil hacker lur lurking in the corner of a coffee shop or chilling in the hotel's Wi-Fi or whatever evil people do. By the way, not all hackers are evil. You can check out specifically Hack 5 1822, where we talked about rolling your own open VPN. And yes, there is a cat in the, the episode, because why not? Cats. And we talked about this <laughs> in 10 minutes. So Darren and I show you how to do that. Hack 5 episode 22, it's 10 minute free VPN server build. And we also talked to Alan Henry mm -hmm. back on Tech Thing episode 10 about some suggestions that he had for ones that you might want to pay for. So when we were in that Hack 5 episode, we basically said when you sign up for a $10 per month VPN service in the cloud, you're basically handing over both money and the very same information that you want to protect your packets to whatever company that you're doing. That's why most corporations roll their own VPNs to keep their corporate data secure. By the way, don't do things that you don't want your company to know about <laughs> whenever you're running that corporate VPN. Also, sometimes you can choose which apps packets go through the VPN, but I would assume that all your packets go through the company's network if the VPN is running. So keep that in mind. Yeah, that could be embarrassing or emotional. Very well traumatizing could be. or expensive. <laughs> so VPN, a secure private encrypted tunnel of packets to a safe network. That's one reason to use a VPN. But yes. the privacy side of things, privacy, it's all about trust. Trust is the cornerstone of any relationship, right? We're married. We know about, well, not married to each other, but we both have spouses. You know, trust, relationships. you got to <laughs> trust the person you're married to. Unfortunately, most of the things you need to trust with a VPN, don't act so horrified. I'm not that evil. I'm sorry, I won't. <laughs> Here's the thing, right? Most of the things you need to know with a VPN are hidden, yeah. like their entire infrastructure, where the endpoints are, and hey, whether they're telling the truth about log files. Log files. Which isn't a huge deal if you're using a VPN to geolocate to an IP somewhere else. So say you can stream block content from another country, like maybe geolocked curling videos from Canada. I pay for corporate VPNs. You, I know people who travel and they use a VPN to watch their favorite shows back home yeah. when they're traveling overseas because content is geolocked. I am lazy and I don't know anybody in Canada whose home network I can use. So <laughs> I'm just using a prepaid VPN because it's cheap and it's simple. Okay, not a big deal. Now, if you're encrypting your traffic because one of the people in the house is kind of a creepy troll that sniffs the packets of everybody in the house, sure, use a corporate VPN. You know, it might be a big deal if you use a VPN to encrypt your network traffic so your ISP can't see the running mad torrents full of copyrighted shows because, hey, imagine what a raging copyright lawyer could do with the knowledge that you were running all of the traffic from your like new torrent client through a VPN. Yeah. It could be doom, as in the end of you in a horrible long drawn out pattern if you're using a VPN to encrypt traffic and mask IP addresses and dodge IP tracking because, hey, you're a student, part of a, you know, kind of revolting against a corrupt government in a really serious country somewhere. You don't want to be arrested, tortured, and killed. And if it turns out your VPN is owned by the government or your government has the ability to coax packets out of the VPN, 
Gah! Here's the thing, just about everybody keeps log files at least for some period of time. It's close to impossible to run most major systems without them. Snowden has proved that the NSA can pretty much take any information at once and use it however it wants while gagging the company from telling anyone. That's kind of sketchy. Mm -hmm. By the way, there are also technical issues some found. Another great Alan Henry article, How to See if Your VPN is Leaking Your IP Address and How to Stop It. Because you know, earlier this year they discovered WebRTC was revealing IP addresses if it wasn't blocked at the browser level. So. My rampant paranoia aside, um, there's some really interesting stuff to read. Go to torrentfreak.com, read which VPN services take your anonymity seriously. Um, you know, it, it, they've got a great quote. Unfortunately, not all VPN services are as anonymous as they claim as several incidents have shown in the past. So the service provider review that they do, uh, they basically survey VPNs in search of transparency because, hey, if they're telling the truth, the right VPN is probably a lot safer than one that, say, watches the packets and sells your data, well, anonymized data, about what's going on there. So this is an interesting read. That's kind of what a lot of people are saying is like, well, it's all about transparency now. How transparent is your VPN? Because a transparent VPN, if they're telling the truth, is more honest or more safe than one that doesn't want to tell you how they do what they do. So it, your TLDR. You can't really trust a VPN unless you have to. Your call. Yep. You know. um, I trust it for some things. I do not trust it with my life. I have to agree with your rant. <laughs> Sorry. That's an amazing rant, by the way. Thank you. It's just, it's, it's, it, it, you know, this, this, I thought this was going to be a five minute answer, two days and like eight hours of contemplation and conversations. Boy, man, security professionals? Mm hmm. Or, or Darren. Darren's a security professional. Darren and VPNs? That's funny. His reaction is just like, you know, take the money, wipe your butt with it, stomp on it so it's on your shoe, and then, then you'll know how I feel about VPNs. And I was like, wow, man, that's, that's a passionate reaction. Oh, my goodness. So with that said. <laughs> I use VPNs. I don't really trust them with my life. Your call, people. Patreon.com slash tech thing is really what makes this show happen. People who donate per show to basically pay the bills. A few cents can make things happen for us because there's a whole bunch of you working together and we want to thank you so much for supporting the show. Speaking of Patreon, um, Patreon's had a really exciting week this week. Da -da -da -da. week. Yeah. yeah, if you didn't get an email from Patreon and you are a Patreon user, by the way, Patreon was hacked last week. Luckily, credit card information is not stored by Patreon. Uh, but your email address is probably out there on the internet. Uh, we actually have um, a friend that does a website called haveibeenpwned.com, and you can go over there and see if your email was leaked in the Patreon hack because he's included that information on Have I Been Pwned, yeah. which is very useful. Uh, passwords should be safe. They're pretty heavily salted and encrypted. Basically, they use uh, this encryption called Bcrypt, but as mm -hmm. we would say for any breach site, even if they say it's encrypted, you know, trust no one, change your password yeah. and go to the website directly. Don't click on the links from email just in case there's any kind of phishing going on. Um, really sad to hear about this. Yeah. It's very disappointing and, you know, anybody can get hacked. It's, it's very, it makes me angry. <laughs> I, I was always talking about on, on ThreatWire this morning, uh, it's the one year anniversary of Sony's hack, which was one of the most oh, brutal yeah. uh, uh, breaches we've ever seen. Uh, essentially North Korea just turned over everything they rooted out of the corporate networks 
at Sony, including like emails that led to like one of their co-chairs resigning. It was, it was, it was, oh, uh, you know, yeah, <laughs> Office of Personnel Management. I don't want to go on another rant. I've oh done man. that uh, <laughs> already today, um, twice. But you know, it, yeah. <laughs> In other words, you're a little upset about it. Yes, and yeah, that makes two of us. <laughs> you know, and, and as far as we can tell, the people at Patreon are really upset about it, mm -hmm. uh, and hopefully will go really serious buku uh, on their security. And please, uh, uh, don't leave us. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got an email from Paul. You want to read it? Yeah, Paul says, I upgraded to Windows 10. I cannot play Blu-rays now as it doesn't come with Blu-ray media player software. I'm looking for a free one. I tried VLC. I didn't want to play my Blu-ray. Any suggestions? Thanks. Love your show. Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Paul. <laughs> so I actually found a website that has a tutorial on how to use VLC Media Player to play encrypted Blu-ray discs, or play any Blu-ray disc, really. Uh, it looks like you need to download some special libraries to run it. Basically, you download VLC, download a special keys data database, and this AACS dynamic library. Hopefully, that will get your Blu-ray Blu discs running in VLC. Otherwise, you do have the option to purchase some, but then again, if you want to play one for yeah. free, you have to do a little bit of a hack. Yeah, it's funny. The, the reason there's no legal free Blu-ray playback software is because all of the rights for all of the stuff that makes Blu-ray happen are pretty much owned and uh, charged for. That's why ah. actually Windows 10 eliminated the DVD player and, and nobody does a free Blu-ray player anymore. Um, if you don't want to deal with, with downloading all of those tools and potentially violating the Digital Millennium <laughs> Copyright Act, uh, CyberLink PowerDVD Ultra is actually still out there. Uh, that's Corel Win DVD. So, Corel yeah, Win well, it's funny. Power DVD is still out there, and Corel's Win DVD are still out there. They do. Uh, they're pretty much like the last well-known commercial Blu-ray player standing. And before you start emailing, yes, Jay River Media Center can play Blu-rays, but you need any DVD HD to handle the copy protection side mm. of things. Brings us back to DMCA questions. I'm just still bummed that Windows Media Center is gone. Hmm. Yeah. I understand. Me and Robert used it. <laughs> and like eight other people. <laughs> and we got a message from Bob who says, Patrick, I just watched an episode of Tech Thing and it got me thinking about why you would give a kid a tablet anywhere over a hundred bucks. Tablets like this are made for more intensive applications, which most kids won't be using. I recall kid. that <laughs> I recall that if you go on Amazon, you can still find seven, seven to ten inch tablets for under forty bucks. Personally, I use them as a mobile deployment <laughs> system to go alongside my Wi-Fi pineapple. Cool. So I don't have to lug around a massive laptop. Anyway, maybe you or the Hack5 team, if they get this email too, uh, will have a cool idea on things you can do with cheaply made tablets like this. Yours, Bob. You know, I, I, I co-host with half of the Hack5 team, so they are aware. <laughs> True. So yeah, first off, awesome use of a tablet for your pineapple. That's brilliant, and that's so cool, and I want to see it done because that's amazing. Yeah. It's, I guess it's easy too because it's all just in the web, so awesome. Good idea. Very smarts. Second, oh my gosh, you can do so many things with mm -hmm. a cheap tablet. You can set it up as an alarm clock next to your bed yeah. or a weather station at work. or A if, photo frame. Yeah, you can do a photo <laughs> frame. Or if you have a security camera at home, set it up at work as a live monitoring system. Or you could turn it into a remote control for all your devices at home. Or a recipe book for inside your kitchen. Uh, lots and lots of things. All the things. All the things. <laughs> oh my goodness. I should also point out, by the way, there were no $100 tablets, much less sub $100 tablets when my uh, my oldest child first got to play Star, the, the Starfall, Starfall alphabet learning apps and Aww. some of the apps on, on the, uh, 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 the iPad. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. the first generation iPad. And since we share the tablets in the family, I kind of like a tablet that A, doesn't make my eyes bleed, or B, choke on a mapping app. And I hate cheap-ass products that fall apart on first contact <laughs> with the end user, though cheap doesn't necessarily mean poorly made. True. By the way, he and his brother are still using a first-gen Apple iPad, which cost over $500 back in 2010. Wow. Uh, and I will say, uh, part of the reason it's still alive is an OtterBox Defender case that's been on it since the early days when it was in my hands. Uh, wow, that's I impressive. I should also point out, like, it's we're not we're not they don't leave the house with the tablet unless yeah. we're traveling. Uh, you know, they don't touch a web browser without a parent in the room. And hey. Uh, they even managed to not trash my super shiny Android tablet. <laughs> That's good. It. Well, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I get that people are like, I would never let my child have something over $100, but, you know, if I'm going to let my, you know, my, my kid's bike cost more than that, mm -hmm. and it's going to be a bigger pain to replace, I don't know, it's a long story. A Walmart, bi Walmart bike is much cheaper. Though. Except when they fall apart on first contact with the end user. <laughs> 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 Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> and remember. Oh, man. Yep. Remember, with all that said and done, once in a while, sometimes we just got to step away from the technology and, and realize that there is a sun outside. <laughs> so close your laptop, do something analog, like, and I don't have a website for this one, Birdwatch. Oh, I love bird watching. Do you? Bird watching is kind of cool. I mean, you see some pretty interesting stuff out there. There are some, especially actually in the area between. Beautiful. The, the, like over, there's some areas in Oakland. By the bay, oh. there is amazing waterfowl, like transient waterfowl activity. So it's cool. incredible. Watch the migrations. Yeah, I burn. Deal with it. <laughs> I'm Patrick Norton. I'm Shannon Morse. We'll see you next week on Tech Bay. Have you seen the oatmeal cartoon about like the, the cat being the serial murderer in your house? I just stared at an LED light, and now I'm just like, <laughs> I'm blind! No, I didn't. I will send it to you. I will put Please it do. in the show notes. It is one of the most amazing and terrifying documents ever. We're talking about, like, you know, your bird is probably responsible for killing, like, cheese things every day. <laughs> the light! <laughs> it's like funny. the sun. I realized it wasn't pointing at you guys the whole time. <laughs> it didn't make much it of a difference. It didn't make much of a difference. No, it doesn't make any. All right. I, I think my teeth are a little brighter. I think it's better without, actually, because you don't get the glare on the TV. Crazy. <laughs> like my hair? Are the things that happen. I cut it. I cut all my hair off. Studio. And then I colored it, so it's fiery. It's funny because it bounces over your shoulders instead of breaking. It's very good. Yeah. What? Do your you hair laughing? toss. Toss that hair. Toss that hair like an anime character. What do they call that category of anime that's like for teenage boys and girls? Otango Otama! Like that? No, but that's really <laughs> funny. I like the ones where like like the guy. Turns around.